It's the Morgan Evans More or Less Pickleball podcast coming at you in three, two, one, boom. My guest today is a pro player, a commentator, one of the best coaches I know, the founder of Third Shot Sports, a leader in pickleball coaching. He's also a fellow podcaster. The man likes to cast some pod. It seems like either he's copying me or I'm copying him. Who knows? He's my brother from most likely a Canadian mother. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Mark Renison. Mark, how you doing, my man? Hey, Morgan. I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me on your show. Really? You're doing great. There's not too many people on the planet that are that are doing great, but if you're surviving, then that, I guess that's, uh, that is great. Yeah, no, it is a tough time right now. And, um, you know, it's one of the, the things about what we're going through now, at least what I'm finding is um, seeing silver linings in places that you otherwise, you know, might not have noticed. Like as an example, my five-year-old daughter now is really into cooking. And she just wants to be in the kitchen. Doesn't matter what the task is, washing pots and pans, chopping onions, like stirring the rice. She's so into it. And um, yeah, this, I think it's fair to say this is a pretty unmitigated disaster, especially for those of us um, in the coaching world. But, uh, you know, one thing I've noticed, like I got to spend a lot of time with my family, which, uh, which has been pretty nice. Yeah, you just need a, a pandemic to uh, force everyone to hang out together. Yeah, yeah. I was listening. It was funny. I was listening to a show. He's the food editor at the New York Times, and he just came out with a cookbook last month that was all about serving big meals to friends and family. Oh no! <laughs> like this is like the worst possible time. He says, "I'm going to get the family thing locked down, right? Because <laughs> you've got no choice but to eat them with your family." But yeah, it's pretty pretty wild time right now. I've been making a lot of pies and sausage rolls, but like individual pies. So I have one, I have one uh, defrosting at the moment. <laughs> you know what? I I heard someone say uh, we're all you know because at least here in Canada, there's been a run on things like flour and yeast because mm. everyone's uh, baking their own bread. And I saw someone on Twitter who said, "Oh, you're all about to find out what happens if you eat a loaf of bread every day. <laughs> we're all going to come away with our COVID nineteen. It's like instead of your freshman forty, it's your COVID nineteen. So that's true. It's happening to me. I find myself my back's hurting more than normal because I'm spending much more time in front of a computer doing well wonderful things like podcasting, but writing and ugh. yeah, you know it's crazy. I see some people out there. I won't. I won't name drop any of them, Corinne. Oh, but uh, there's people out there who like. I feel like they're using this time to like get more fit. Right there, like you just see them doing push-ups and they're doing burpees and they're out there like doing obstacle courses. And I'm thinking, geez, I'm just like sitting here, like yeah. <laughs> eating bagels and hummus and like <laughs> thinking about uh, thinking about the end of the world. But there are those people out there who are just like getting jacked. Yeah, well, I think I think she's in one of the Carolinas, which uh, I forget if it's north or south, but um, I think that's has been hit the least bad out of almost any state, which is. Who knows when it's going to really hit home there, but I think we're all just thankful we're not living in New York at the moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So I imagine you had to cancel you know, a fair amount of clinics and camps and whatnot. Yeah, I was actually in Texas back in mid-March. And from there, actually, I was going to Corinne's hometown, uh, Cary, North Carolina. And I had something set up there for a few days. And from there, I was going to be in Dallas for the PPA event, doing the broadcast there. And today, I'm supposed to be in Florida, like on our annual family vacation leading up to the US Open. And so all of that just got like wiped out. We ended up escaping from Texas essentially on my birth on my birthday no less. And so we got home and it was just like kind of panic to get out. And yeah, everything is basically on hold right now. Wow. We're fortunate here. The Canadian government was pretty quick to act when it came to realizing the situation and not just like the sort of health crisis, but also the ensuing economic crisis mm. that we still don't know the extent of, right? But they were pretty quick at at saying, um, "Look, we know that this is happening. We're going to put supports in place." And so, and so that that has lessened the blow a little bit, but it's like it's tough. Yeah, no, I think Australia was pretty quick to act as well, um, and their numbers comparatively uh, are pretty good compared to uh, to ours here. But mm-hmm. still, not no one's getting out of this unscathed, and it could be you know ten, twenty years before economically the world is uh, is right uh, yeah. right as rain. Yeah, this is this is getting depressed. This is a depressing start of the. Podcast. Yeah, wow. But I mean, what do we do? It's it's not it's not like it's something you know. It's not just an elephant in the room. It is the room, um, or at least there's no room for any other animals with this size elephant. Yeah. What have you been? You, I mean, I know this is your show, and you ask me questions, but what have you been doing? You've been talking about sitting at your computer, writing more. What are the kinds of things you're writing about? Yeah. Well, a lot of them are scripts for you know future episodes when when I can go out and uh, shoot with, with Steve. Scripts for Coach Me Pickleball, also mm-hmm. uh, articles to submit to Pickleball Magazine, you know, or trying to organize guests for this podcast, you know, that kind of stuff. Sometimes a little poetry, and I, you know, and I, I, don't, uh, I don't deny that I like to get into that kind of stuff once in a while. The occasional haiku, maybe? Well, I, I don't know much about a haiku. Is that the one with, in fact, I know nothing about a haiku, but it sounds good. Yeah, it's like, um, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's something like there's a a certain number of syllables in each line. I think it's like 757 or something like that. Oh, right. We once did a a haiku, a pickleball haiku contest uh, through our newsletter. People submitted it. It was pretty fun, actually. And it's the the kind of thing haikus, because it is structured the way it is, even someone who has little to no experience doing it can still kind of have fun writing some. So, I mean, I'm sure there's an art to writing really great haikus. You might want to give it a try. All right, I'll have to check that out. I might have to start a newsletter, jeez. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a quick break there for a little quick tip from our sponsor at Coach Me Pickleball. Practice makes perfect, right? My name is Morgan Evans, and I have to tell you that practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes progress. That's why we've created Coach Me Pickleball. At Coach Me Pickleball, you'll find an extensive and growing library of lessons on topics covering every aspect of pickleball for every level of player. For one small monthly fee, you'll get access to every video in our library with new content added every month. Check out coachmepickleball.com to sign up for a free seven-day membership. Ah, that's good stuff there. Okay, let's get back to the interview. 
So how are things going with the uh, Pickleball Lab? I do like what you're doing there. It looks like some entertaining and educational stuff. Yeah, thanks. For people who don't know, what's hard, and I, I think it's okay to be frank about this, is yeah, yeah. you know some of us in the, in the Pickleball world, like you and me and others, aren't just in the Pickleball world in kind of like a casual, fun way. I mean, it has its moments of being casual and has lots of fun for sure. But also we're doing this as a business. And one of the things I've tried to do is over the last few years, you know, as we've grown third shot sports and, and putting out the videos, I did my best to make easy to watch and pretty accurate and, and kind of tight and on point. And, and what we've done is we've transitioned that into, that still exists, our newsletter and our YouTube videos, but transition that into a subscription service. So every two weeks, people who are members of the Pickleball Lab, they get this email that we don't send out the material anywhere else. It's all exclusive, special videos we make just for the Pickleball Lab, special audio content. We get guest contributors who submit video or audio or different things. And the way that we pitch it is if you like the Third Shot Sports newsletter, you're really going to like the Pickleball Lab because it's this sort of premium product for, you know, not a very premium price. It's a hundred bucks for the year. But we had a lot of people who subscribe and say, look, that's a reasonable price, eight bucks a month or whatever it is. And I get this, this extra stuff because I'm really into pickleball and I really you know, want to see more. And then we also have people who say, hey, look, I've enjoyed all of this free stuff that I've been getting from Third Shot Sports over the last number of years. I want to support what you guys are doing. And so hmm. it's been a cool project for me. Yeah, it comes out every two weeks and each time is a little bit different. And it's a good challenge for me because if people are going to pay for it, you know a lot about this yourself. If people are going to pay for it, like it's got to be really good. Yeah. And that means investing the time and resources and hiring the right people. You know, you were talking about Steve Taylor and, and putting in that effort because it is a premium product, right? There's tons of free stuff out there in the pickleball world. I'm sure you're the same. Like, I wish we could just give everything away for free, but at some point you've got to pay the bills, right? Yeah. We don't do it as a charity thing. We do it as like, hey, here's the here's the value proposition. This really great exclusive content that you won't find anywhere else. And, you know, you pay a small fee for it. And it's been cool to, to have the support of people who have signed up for it. So you've essentially gone with the uh, kind of like a Coca-Cola model. And when I say that, I remember reading not long ago that when uh, Coca-Cola first came out, it was given away for free in pharmacies. Mm. I think the founder was a pharmacist. So they essentially gave away Coca-Cola knowing that it was you know, highly addictive and actually had cocaine in it yeah, right. <laughs> for years and years and years. The first one's free. Yeah. And then... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then when they finally started charging, I think it was five cents for a, a bottle or a can, people were like, well, it's five cents. I've been drinking this for free all this time. I love it. I can't live without it now. So uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's it's funny because like, I, should, I just finished writing an article and the article is called Don't Coach for Free. And the example I gave here, I was in, um, I shouldn't say which city it was because it might give away the person, but I was in a- It's Randy Coleman, isn't it? <laughs> it's totally Randy. <laughs> You should try to bring up Randy on every single episode of the show. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I think I think I have. So far, so good. I was in a, a major Canadian city not too long ago, and I got invited. I went to like the first drop-in pickleball one day, and I just poked my head in, and I saw the guy who was coaching there, and he was getting ready for a little lesson while there was open play. He invites me the next day to open play, and I was like, "Oh, sure, and, you know, it's fine." And it wasn't like it wasn't very good play, but but I hadn't played for a while, and I was just happy to get out. And uh, when I was out there, I, or I, like, I showed up and he was already out there and there's four courts going and not a single person was hitting a ball. I was like, oh, this is weird. I thought this is like drop-in, open-play pickleball. And the guy, super nice guy, really charismatic, good at explaining and demonstrating was great. And he was like, 
teaching something to the group. And I was like, oh, seems kind of weird, but okay. And throughout this open play session, not always on a big scale, but often like to a team or to an individual, he was like coaching them. Mm. And I was like, huh. And so I had this one partner, her name was Bernice. And I was like, oh, Bernice, like, I think I call, in the article, I call him Marvin. It's like, <laughs> oh, Marvin seems to, seems to like provide a lot of tips. And she's like, oh yeah, he's great. Like, I love coming out to drop in. It's like getting a free lesson every time I come. It's terrific. And I was like, oh, have you ever taken like a lesson from Marvin? Oh no. Like, why would I need to? Like, I just come to drop in. I can save my money for something else. Yeah. And so when I talked to Marvin about it and I asked him, it was actually his strategy. He's like, no. So what I do is, is I come out to open play five or six days a week and I do some coaching when I'm here. And the plan is, is that like, they see that I know what I'm talking about, that I'm a good coach. I'm a nice guy. And then they'll sign up for the lessons. And I say, like, Oh, well, how's it going? He's like, not so good. <laughs> right. And it was the kind of the case where he was giving away yeah, this really great product. Yeah. He was giving away the milk. He was giving away the Coke. And then, and he was doing it to such a great extent that people weren't coming in and buying. So hmm. I think the model, all the stories to say is like, I do think that especially when you're new to an industry, right? Like pickleball's not been around that long as professional pickleball coaching. You do have to find a way to to stand out and to convince people that like, hey, you have some idea what you're talking about and there's something good here. But if you give it away nonstop, then when it is time to say, hey, I got to put food on the table too. Do you want to come and pay for this thing? If you're giving it away nonstop, that's not going to happen. So yeah. trying to thread that needle of doing enough free stuff, enough free content to kind of build an audience and to, to gain some credibility. You're trying to like thread the needle between doing that, but then also not doing so much that you can't afford to run the business because you're not making any money from it. Walking that line is, is going to be tough. Not too long ago, I had a gentleman, and luckily I actually don't remember the name so I can't throw him under the bus here. Really nice guy. It's Randy Coleman, wasn't it? <laughs> it actually wasn't Randy Coleman. <laughs> this is the first time it wasn't Randy Coleman. <laughs> um, no, but he came to our club, and it's a private club membership, and he wanted to just give free clinics. And the the manager, uh, I, I mean, I, I work there and I teach lessons, but the manager, you know, politely tried to explain to him, well, it wouldn't really work so well if you're giving free lessons while Morgan's out there charging x amount per hour and he was trying to do a nice thing he wanted to just share the wealth he was a decent 5-0 player and i like the guy mm -hmm. but yeah unfortunately that kind of thing if you're going to do it it's sort of public parks and you know you can be that traveling wanderer with the cane cane and able of, of pickleball i think a couple of things one is there are people out there you know because they're of a certain age or they're independently wealthy and they don't need the money or whatever and they just want to go and share the wealth, and that's great and those people are really important for the growth of the sport right certainly very often those are like the ambassadors right mm. that you see but then there's another sort of group of people that you know are professionals or like trying to be professionals and not in every case but often it is a matter of you get what you pay for so you have been coaching, and in this case, I'm not just talking about pickleball, but like you and I both come from tennis coaching backgrounds. Like, how long have you been coaching racket or paddle sports for? Uh, so, I started when I was 19, so about 18 years now. Yeah. And so, and I started when I was 15. I did my first instructor course, and so now I'm 39. So, that's 24 years, right? Wow. So, you hope, and this is kind of what I was saying about Pickleball Lab like, look, if you're going to charge money for it, you better make sure it's a good product. And the more you charge, the better it better be. Mm. 
And I do think there's still room. Yes, if people go out and they're paying nothing for a lesson, look, there can be some really great free instruction that's out there, undoubtedly. But there's also some pretty rough instruction that goes out there where people aren't professionals. They haven't invested time and effort and money in order to do that. And so I think both can exist in the world and both need to exist. Yeah. And I think it, I think it comes down to the consumer being educated more about what to look for in a coach, what advice is unadvisable, I yeah. guess. <laughs> what, where are the kind of red flags that might pop up, whereby potentially free advice could do more harm than good? And you don't know, it might, it might be a couple of years before a player finds out that a certain piece of advice that a wandering gentleman um, who so lovingly bestowed upon them didn't actually turn out to be 100% accurate, and they've been doing the wrong thing for a couple of years because of it. It's uh, hmm. it's a good example. And it's kind of like, if we take this back to food, if you've only ever had one kind of food, then it's hard to know what you're missing, hmm. right? Or it's hard to be able to compare to other things. And and so I think, you know, it's one of the reasons why I encourage people to go out and do lessons with different people. Or even when we talk about like watching online stuff, you and I both have colleagues out there who put out videos and articles and all that stuff. And I think it's important for people to go and to experience those. And I also think, you know, a sign of someone who really believes in what it is that they're offering is willing, not even just willing, but like encourages other people to go out and sample those other meals, right? And to have that faith that either that person will find a meal that's better for them, and then they'll go and that's good for them. Mm. Or you have the faith that, you know what, they're going to go and try those other things. And I believe that my product is good enough that they're going to come back to it. And yeah, yeah. The whole like business of pickleball to me is a really fascinating sort of vein of this sport and how it's grown in the last few years and the economic <laughs> pain that we might be feeling right now, notwithstanding, it's a really interesting time to be involved with the sport from that perspective. Certainly. I think both of us could agree that making a, a living with an online coaching product service, sorry, thinking of that five years ago, there's no chance really. Just wouldn't um wouldn't even cross my mind. But we're living in a in a time where the growth of the sport and the hunger for knowledge, and I think the void, I think there's a lot of people out there that realize that this recent explosion in pickleball, you know, the last 10, 12 years especially, means that there's no way that the current technique, current strategy, current teaching methodologies, for example, are going to stand the test of time. And I'm, I'm 100% sure that 200 years from now, people might look back at even, say, Ben Johns, who is unanimously... It's like, oh man, that guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I, you got to wonder, there was a time where Rod Laver was the, um, by far the greatest tennis player of all time. And now you, you look at his movement, you look at his strokes and, you know, a wonderful athlete. Um, but he put him up to uh, up against Roger Federer, not against each other, obviously, but looking at his play and his ability versus, you know, the current top guys in tennis, and it's apples and oranges. You, you just can't even compare. Yeah. That's going to happen in pickleball as well. It just requires real forward thinking and I think open-minded coaches being comfortable, you know, taking, taking risks. And for me, I love to find those students that are prepared for me to kind of almost experiment on and say, listen, I don't know about this theory. I've got this idea that this might work. Let's give it a go. Back to that comparison between, as you call them, the, what, the, the wandering gentleman coach uh, versus a professional. I mean, part of being a professional, I think, is paying attention to those things, paying attention to that evolution, paying attention. Because again, if you're charging people money for what you're doing, it better be good. And, and that means that you're sort of keeping tabs on what's going on. Whereas someone who's a volunteer doing that, I mean, they may, they may keep on tabs on that and they may not. And I wouldn't expect them to. 
right? In the same way I would expect a professional to be sort of like current and up to date. So I think there is an onus. The other thing I would say, you know, and I often field emails from people who are like, they have an idea for something and they've got an app that they want to test out or whatever. It's like, because they see some of the things that are happening. What people often don't see is like how much grinding went in to make that possible, right? Like the reason that you can be successful with Coach Me Pickleball, that you can have this podcast, that you can do this Selkirk coaching, all that stuff, isn't just because there's a market for it. It's also because of the work that you put in and the credibility that you have developed to like position you for that. And so, you know, speaking of Selkirk, I know this is powered by Selkirk Podcast. I remember talking with Rob and Mike Barnes and we're like, man, this like industry, there's so much competition coming in, whatever. And they're like, no, man, it's just like, there's going to be so many flash in the pans that come because they see there's an opportunity. They want a piece of the pie. They're going to come and they're going to do it, but they don't have that foundation Mm. that they have built up over all these years to like really last. And so, you know, when I talked to those guys, it's like, sure, you like notice when things are coming and you pay attention to the changing landscape, but like you have your eye on your vision and what you're trying to do and you do it as well as you can and don't get sort of distracted by those other things. And I, and I don't, I don't blame any of the people for coming in and like trying to make something happen, Yeah, but it's so tough to do that if you haven't done the grinding certainly to build up that foundation. Yeah, I would imagine that there's a lot of companies out there that look at pickleball as the redheaded stepchild of tennis and think, well, I've got enough money, I could probably just go in and take over. I'm completely misunderstanding and underestimating the kind of work that uh, specialized paddle companies have been doing for five, ten years at least. I mean, yeah, if you have deep pockets and you can afford to to sort of flood the market with money and advertising and sponsorship or whatever, like that's definitely a strategy and it can be a strategy that can work. But most of the ones I see coming in, like that's more the exception than the rule, I would say. Most of the ones are kind of like these mid-range things. They say, oh, hey, there's an opportunity they go in, but then we won't name any, but you've seen examples of like, whether it's ball manufacturers that have come in and made an inferior product or there's paddle. Co- I get emails all the time from like paddle companies coming out of China who are like, oh, you should do our thing. And like, and you look at it and you think, this, this would never work, right? And so, hmm. and in some ways I think that's, that's a good sign about that attests to like the health of pickleball mm. in North America and globally, right? The fact that you have these <laughs> other interests coming in and trying to get in. So, so to me, that kind of competition, yeah, sure, it has moments where it's like, like, oh, geez, this is going to make my life tougher. But that's also that's also partly what like pushes you to innovate and try new things and experiment, as you say. Like even with us, like that's why we call it the pickleball lab because it is an experiment right? This whole subscription model when it comes to pickleball stuff. Like, I don't know if it's going to work. I mean, so far it's, you know, well received, but, but it literally is an experiment. I guess you're going to know in a few months time when no one's allowed you to teach a real lesson on a court. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not starving, then it worked. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if the family has food on the table, then uh, the experiment worked. And Welcome to Pickleball Trivia. We've got a couple of contestants on the line ready to do battle. I've got Tom DiCaprio from Tampa. How are you, mate? Good, Morgan. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, good, good. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, like you said, I'm from Tampa. been playing pickleball for about five years. Been with Selkirk the whole time. Love Selkirk. Still plugging away here in Tampa, playing a little bit. So we're, we're, we're kind of still lucky. Oh, that's great. I'm jealous. 
yeah, I work for the NFL in the in the uh, football season, so hopefully we get to play this year. Oh, wow. What do you do for the NFL? Uh, I do the, it's called the green hat. I'm a TV timeout guy on the sidelines, so I tell the uh, networks when they can go to commercial. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, so I get, I get get to do the Super Bowl this year, so it'll be fun. Oh my! So what you're saying is you can definitely get us tickets. Yeah, probably. Yes, Bad. I definitely get two tickets. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. How's your uh, pickleball trivia? You think you're up to scratch? I think I, you know, I think I can hold my own. We'll see how mm-hmm. it goes. All right, good man, good man. Yeah. Well, your opponent today is Mr. Charles Newfelt from British Columbia. How are you, Charles? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Good, good. Well, there's not too many great people in the world right now, so I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> What's it like uh, up there? Uh, yeah, it's it's all right. Same as everywhere else, I guess. So I just uh, got out of the hospital a couple of days ago. I had some kidney stones, so oh wow, anything that's not kidney stones is pretty great for me. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I hear they're not as much fun as other types of stones. <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well... Best of luck to you both today. Uh, Tom, you're going to be contestant number one. You will have the serve, and I will ask you a pickleball-related question. If you answer correctly, you keep the serve and you get the point. It is going to be the first person to five points. Uh, If you get the question wrong or you pass, it goes over to your opponent. That's a side out. First person to get to five gets bragging rights and a near-priceless Selkirk gift voucher. Sweet. All right, you guys ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Tom, this one is for you. Question number one. What is the maximum length of a USAPA-approved pickleball paddle? Oh, I'm going to go with uh, 17 inches. 17 inches is correct. Congratulations. Off to a flying start. It sounded like you knew what you were doing. That's the important thing. (laughs) Okay, next question. Who won the Women's Doubles Pro event at the 2019 National Championships? Women's Doubles Pro was uh, Lee and Annalee. Florida people, they got to represent. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you're on a bit of a roll. Two is a roll, I think. Yes. Stadium Court at the Tournament of Champions is named after which generous benefactor? Uh, I have to pass on that one. Mm, okay, that's fair. That's fair. That means, Charles, you get a chance to uh, steal the point and take the serve. Any ideas? I know Selkirk's the title sponsor, so I hope it's Selkirk. Right. Well, that is true. They, uh, they, they did come on board this last year. However, the uh, the gentleman who uh, named Centre Court is unfortunately not him. It is Mr. John Gulo. He put the money forward for about four or five years, I think. Um, so he has found a way to name the court after himself. I'm sure it's going to be there for a while. Great tournament, too. Yeah, it's a good tournament. Good tournament. Fun tournament. Yeah. All right. Well, that means, Tom, you get a chance to keep going here. Okay. The Ernie is named after which player? Oh, Enrique Ruiz. That is incorrect, sir. I am sorry. Uh-uh. I mean, in fairness, the clue is in the name. Yes, I know. <laughs> that means, Charles, you get a chance to steal the point and take the serve. The Ernie is named after which player? 
Yeah, I can't remember his last name offhand. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. It is Mr. Ernie Perry. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that either. <laughs> I was going with Gonzalez, but, you know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know the guy who did it first, but, yeah, I don't remember Ernie's last name. <laughs> okay, no worries. That means, Tom, you get a chance to continue here. Okay, got off to a good start. <laughs> off, off to a great start. <laughs> okay, one of the three men who invented the game of pickleball was a congressman. Who was it? Oh, let's pass. Okay, Charles, you got a chance here, bud. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all three of their names right now, and I can't even think of one. I feel like one of them is Jim, Jim something. Um, oh, I can't even think of his last name. I have to, yeah, I got nothing, Jim, Jim something. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. The answer was Joel Pritchard. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, Jim something wasn't quite enough. Tom, back to you. According to the 2019 Pickleball Participant Report, there are how many players in America? A, 2.7 million, B, 3.1 million, or C, 3.3 million? I'm going to go with uh, A. That is incorrect, my man. Oh. Hasn't been a good run of late. You really started well. I'm proud of you for your start. But uh, Charles has a chance here. So we now know it's not A. It's either B, 3.1 million, or C, 3.3. Yeah, I knew it was 3 million. I was really hoping you were going to pick the other 3 million so I wouldn't have to guess. But (laughs) (laughs) Strategy, Charles, strategy. Ah, I'm going to have to go with 3.3 then. 3.3. Charles, you are on the board. Congratulations. Nice, Charles. Crowning achievement so far in the game. Well played. Charles, your next question. Who took the gold medal in the men's senior pro doubles in the 2019 US Open? So it's senior pro doubles. Who took the gold medal? Yeah, that's really tough. I do remember looking at the results. I didn't watch any of the games, but I do remember looking at the results, and I'm having a really tough time because I'm pretty sure Dave Weinbach played open men's, but he played senior mixed, I think. So he was not there. So that leaves. We've got to get an egg timer here. Yeah, I, I have to pass. <laughs> no worries, no worries. You, you, I, I like the thought process. You had a chance there. All right, that means, Tom, you get a chance to steal the point. That'd be the Badger, Dave Weinbach, and Barry Waddell, my good buddy. Congratulations. Ah, I keep forgetting you're a, uh, you're a Florida guy. All right. I'm a Florida guy, another Florida guy. Okay. Well, good man. Good man. Okay. So that means, Tom, you have three points. Charles, you have one. Tom, you have the serve. Are you ready for your next question? Yes, sir. Shoot. All right. There are currently two main pickleball instruction certification bodies. What are they? IPTPA and PPR. Uh, no, not PPR. And USAPA? That is incorrect, unfortunately. Okay. That was really close. Don't worry, there'll be some amusing incorrect sounds in uh, in editing. So, Charles, you have a chance to uh, steal this point and take the serve. Certification bodies, what are they? Well, he had it right. It was the PPR. He did, he did. I didn't want to tell him. Oh. Jeez. Oh, Tom, you're turning this into a nail-biter, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, trying. Good man, good man. 
All right, so that means, Charles, you've picked up the point. It is now 3-2 to Tom, but you have the serve, and we're off to the races. In feet, what are the dimensions of a service box? Service box. So that'd be 10 by 15. That is correct. All right. You are on a roll, no doubt about it. It's hard to convert those, uh, those feet <laughs> from meters, you know? Look, you did, you, <laughs> you did well. <laughs> Okay, Charles, that means you get to continue here. Who took the silver medal in the men's doubles pro in the 2019 Nationals? That would be Steve Deacon and Eric Lang. That is correct. Boom, goes the dynamite. Charles, you're really coming into your own here. It wasn't a great start, but you've, you've really... If you didn't get the Canadian, I'd, be, I'd have issues with that. I know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's fair, that's fair. Okay, Charles, this is for you again. In 2015, the Nationals were held at Palm Creek RV Resort, but due to an increase in participants, it expanded to which nearby venue? This is a really tough one for me. I have no idea about anything from that era, so I'm going to have to say Casa Grande. That is incorrect. I mean, you're on the, you're on the right track, but... Uh... Unfortunately, no. So that heads over to Tom, who has a chance to level the scores. In 2015, the Nationals were held at Palm Creek RV Resort, but due to an increase in participants, it had to expand to a nearby venue. What was the name of that venue? I played there because it was at Cafe Grand. But I thought it was Palm Creek. Hmm. That was the main venue, but it uh, had to take on a secondary venue because the game was just exploding and they had too many players don't know that one then all right no worries no worries the correct answer was robson ranch robson ranch yes robson ranch yeah oh well not to worry all right charles so that means you continue you have the serve and a chance to finish the game right here an indoor pickleball typically has how many holes 26 26, jeez, that was just, that was way too easy for you. I mean, that was like, he was sitting on a poach right there. <laughs> oh my God, he really was sitting ready and waiting. That means, Charles, you are today's champion. Congratulations. Nice work, Charles. Thank you very much. Oh, God, that was, uh, you know, that game had everything, a little bit of everything, a lot of back and forth. Tom, you started well, couldn't quite finish the end yeah, there, you know. but uh, it was a good performance. Did you have fun, mate? I had a blast, man. You ran out of Florida people for me to, uh, you know, pimp out. <laughs> 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 that's true i'll i'll I'll, uh, I'll make sure if we do a rematch that i'll bring in some carl yates questions for you how about that <laughs> that's true but i'll have to have equal amount of steve deacon questions over for charles <laughs> <laughs> all right gentlemen it's been fun uh hopefully one day we'll, we'll get you back on the show yeah i appreciate it yeah it'll be great charles selkirk will reach out with your giant check shaped uh gift voucher i'm sure I would expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. All right, guys. Will you stay safe wherever you are? And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the courts as soon as possible. Yeah, you as well. Yeah, buddy, for sure. Thanks. Cheers, man. I hope you do have, like, a, a long white coat and 
possibly some glasses to make you really look very oh, lab oriented. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? People can look, um, talk about the videos and like, I don't know how much credibility this bought me, but way back in the day when we made our first videos at Third Shot Sports, I did a little series that I called um, like Pablo Pickleball or something like that. And it was actually, the, the content is decent, right? But it, I took on the role of two characters and one was Pablo Pickleball who wore a really tight shirt and pants up to his armpits and oh. uh and his coat his coach was professor pickleball and uh pablo <laughs> always had problems dealing with whether it was dealing with spin or speed or how to oh. put away balls and he would go see the professor so um yeah so i, I i've got the uh i got the outfit for that pablo's your alter ego isn't he let's be honest yeah well, and it's funny, people would either, they would write to me and it would be one or one or the other. They'd either say, I love that. It's so funny and lighthearted and you don't take yourself too seriously. You'd get half of that and you like feel great about yourself. And then the other half would be like, this is terrible. Like, just teach me how to hit the ball with side spin. Like, you don't need to do this whole thing. Like, I hate this. I mean, that's the other thing that people I think sometimes forget is when you do something sort of publicly, whether it's your videos or a podcast or, or something else, it's like you get feedback from people, mm. even without asking for it. Right. Yeah, I, I desperately don't want feedback. Um, I, yeah. my ego just couldn't handle negative feedback. Yes. So I try my best not to read anything. Yeah, don't read the comments, right? Don't read the comments. No, don't even click the box on allow comments. No. Do you have any? Hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you have any like online trolls? No. Like people that like consistently? No, I have one. I have one. Oh, really? Is it Scott Lippitz? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, not not no. fully there. Okay. Uh, no, I won't say this person's name, but it's one person. It's crazy, man. Really? Yeah. It's like super aggressive. And so when you when you post things on like pickleball forum or something, this person is kind of a dick. This person the other day responded. It was one of our live things. So every day right now, I'm doing something called the Daily Drop, and it's like a 30 minute show that I do at 10 o'clock Pacific, one o'clock Eastern. Sometimes on Facebook, sometimes on Instagram. Yeah, and so we just talk pickleball and we we break down some video and sometimes we have phone calls. Like we had Frank Anthony Davis all in the other day. And oh, cool. Yeah, it's a way for people to get a little bit of a pickleball fix, and it's pretty casual. I do it in my living room and. You know, often I'm using like whatever I can find around to like point things out. Cool. This one guy, my friend, the troll posts and he says, uh, Mark, if I wanted to torture my worst enemy, I would put his, your videos in front of him. That's a little aggressive. Jeez. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's so aggressive. It's crazy. And I don't know like where it's come from. I've never, I've never met the guy. Like we haven't really interacted. Anyway, I, I'm happy to say that that is by far the exception rather than the rule. Oh, what, what do we do this, mate? If you're out there and you're listening to this, just be nice, all right? <laughs> I mean, definitely, please don't start trolling me. I, I just couldn't handle it. Um, but be nice to Mark. Yeah. He's, he's he's decent. He's like uh, he's like my Canadian counterpart. That's right. And I, I just don't get it. It's like it's a free thing. We're not calling anyone out. We're sharing something. And if you don't like it, just like keep scrolling by. You know, like right. Yeah, that seems pretty simple. Yeah, I th I think generally speaking, those kinds of things like say more about that person than they do about the one who's receiving the feedback. You know, so I don't worry too much about it. Yeah, it's always shocking to me that. Once in a while, I'll have someone on the court, and it's usually in a clinic scenario, whereby they're not happy unless they're miserable. And that, that sounds strange, but they're, they're, so, they're so comfortable with just unhappiness and being disgruntled that for them to radically become suddenly happy with anything, it's just not comfortable for them. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, those, uh, those people that generally have the same look on their face the entire time and 
And for some reason, we as coaches tend to focus on on that on that person. I know I do, and it's to my detriment usually because it's usually you know not until ten minutes until the end of the lesson that I realize there was nothing I could say to make this person happy, and I've just wasted all this time trying my best to to you know make put a smile on this person's face and teach them something, and yeah. they're just miserable the entire time, and oh, it's killing me. Actually, so I did the the daily drop just before talking with you today, and we used an article I wrote a long time ago called Three Common Coaching Errors or something like that. And the first one I identified was to be a, a fault finder versus a success seeker. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and I'm sure you come across this where people think like the main job of the coach is to like find mistakes, right? Find faults. Tell me, tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. And that's actually relatively easy to do, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to be a genius to be able to be like, no, oh, your impact points late or you're poorly set up or you made a bad decision here. Like that's easy. The harder part is to, is kind of like what you do with that, right? How you transition from those mistakes into some sort of success yeah, or how you identify that even though, okay, this didn't go well, but there was a success here. And I know you do a lot of that when you do your coaching with the pros, right? It's like, yeah. hey, you guys might've lost a match and you're now in the backdrop, but like, look, you did some really good things here. Mm. Um, and so that success seeking is so important. And I find the kind of person you're describing, the one who's like always upset, yeah. that's the person who thinks that a clinic or a lesson or something is really about fault finding. And that you know that they're always finding fault in themselves. I did this bad, I did this bad. They, they just like hit a beautiful winner. It's like, yeah, but I could have hit it closer to the line or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And it's funny because it's like, they're not like children whose parents put them in your tennis camp. You know, they're like adults spending their own time and effort and money. And you would think that if it was a miserable experience, they would spend that time, effort and money somewhere else. I tend to believe that a lot of those people just firstly have a lot of money and the 20, 30, $40, whatever I'm charging for them to be in the clinic is is basically meaningless. Mm. And it's just something to fill their time. But they're, they're always the same mindset that they know exactly what they're doing wrong. I never actually say it. Well, then what are you doing here? If you already know what's wrong and you don't believe you have the tools to fix it, then unfortunately, no matter what I'm going to say to you, I don't think anything's going to ring true. Yeah. I mean, I can try to say the same thing in 12 different ways, but I've got all these other people here at the same time. So why don't I just give you your money back? (laughs) Have you ever been in situations where a player like that, even though skill-wise they might be in the right place, because of their attitude, not towards other players necessarily, but toward themselves, becomes such such a distraction that you've had to like ask them to leave. Yeah. And I think it's only happened once or twice. Someone so hell bent on being not just miserable, looking miserable and portraying a person that doesn't really want to be outside the house, but they were making other people very uncomfortable and whatnot. This was down in Bobby Riggs, I don't know, three or four years ago. I forget the gentleman's name. Steve Dawson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, you can't get that guy to smile. (laughs) Nah, we love Steve. But yeah, this gentleman, he was so miserable and he was quite rude to the female players as well. But he, his sons had got him this gift. They had bought this camp for him for his birthday and they had paid for him to fly here. So when he told me that, I was like, oh. Yeah, extra tough to kick him out. Exactly. And we ended up doing a deal whereby every hour during the clinic, I had to hear him say at least three nice things. And I didn't, I didn't even care if it was about himself. It is like a child that uh, oh, the mother put in some, tennis camp. <laughs> yeah, just 
Oh, this was a you know mid fifties, early sixties year old gentleman. Yeah. You know, fair amount of potential, probably three five, four zero, something like that. There's, there's no pleasing some people, and I think if you're a coach, you get baited into just trying to please the one person that you know seems the most unhappy. Then all the other people that paid the same amount of money are. Uh, kind of left at the wayside. Yeah. Well, I mean, they become the time suck, right? And it's not fair. Mm. We've talked about Pickleball Lab and we've talked about the Daily Drop. The other thing we have is Pickleball Coaching International, the coaching wing of their shot sports. And one of the things we talk about there of many was this idea of the time suck. And it's it's that person who, not necessarily because of skill level, but just because of kind of their attitude, right? The way they are like trying to suck more and more of your time. And sometimes they do it unintentionally right? Sometimes they just have one more question they want to ask, or sometimes they want to take you on one more tangent because they're like genuinely interested. And that's another trap that coaches can fall into is because they want to do their best. They want to help, right? And mm. But to get sucked into working, spending more time with that one person, or even sometimes like a team, you know, let's say there's a, there's a team at your clinic. But meanwhile, you have all these other people who like have paid just as much money to be there, deserve just as much of your time and attention. Yeah, there's so many things that like coaches have to navigate. And it's so much like when you watch great athletes, whether it's in pickleball or other sport, like it looks so easy. And what you don't realize is all the many things that are happening at once. It's like a duck, right? Like you see a duck going along the pond. It's like, oh, it's so serene and relaxed. And then you get the underwater view and the legs are going like nonstop. I feel like good coaches are really good at, at being like that duck where the top yeah. part is so smooth and it looks so easy. And then what you don't see is how fast they're paddling, how much they're paying attention to without anyone else knowing for sure often you've only got one chance to say the right thing at the right time so that someone understands what you're trying to say it's tricky because communication is such a two-way street what i say to someone and how they understand it, how they comprehend that same thing could be wildly different and in a group scenario you don't always have time to make sure that what they've understood is what you meant well, it's probably a, as good a place as any to bid adieu. I think this is definitely worth doing again, though. What do you reckon? Great. I'd love to do it again. Sometime you want to come on my show, Pickleball Problems. We can talk about pickleball problems. You can help answer some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a lot of my pickleball problems, there's a there's a cream to take care of that rash. Uh, that's most of it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, well, that sounds great. I'd love to have you on. Good deal. Perfect. For those of you out there that want to get in touch with Mark, how do they reach you, mate? You can email me, mark at thirdshotsports.com, and you can find out about some of the things we talked about, thepickleballlab.com. You can do a two-week free trial and Pickleball Coaching International, and we're all over the internets. <laughs> On the internet, plural. God, there's more than one now. Oh, yeah, there's, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's the dark web, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm trying to get off that dark web thing. It looks ominous. Yeah. All right. Well, it was really good talking to you, Mark. All right, mate. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor and a privilege, and we will talk again soon. All right. Stay safe. Cheers, mate. Did I lose you? Are you there? Just for a second. I'm back now. Oh, okay. But I was the critical point. Wait. Oh. It reminds me of the movie White Men She Can't Jump, where uh, she, she says, you're listening to me, but you're not hearing me. White Men Can't Jump really is like an allegory for life.